Amen. Amen. Welcome to church. What a, what a great day to be alive, right? I mean, every day is, is a great day to be alive. Every day is a great day to open our eyes and just see the wonders of creation, right? The beauty of this world that, that our God spoke into existence. It's absolutely amazing. And I just encourage you not just to rush through your day. Uh, but slow down and take an opportunity to, to breathe in all the life that God has for you each and every day. And, and I want to start off this morning by reading some words, some truths that were literally breathed by the very God who created all things, the, the God who is over all things, and the God who holds all things together. And I, I would contend that his words would be worth listening to. Um, the first is in Genesis chapter 4. Um, when they had, when they Grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also bought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but did not accept Cain and his gift. Uh, this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Second Samuel 24. Uh, why have you come, my Lord and King? Aruna asked David, I've come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar for the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, Lord my king, and, and use it as you wish. Aruna said to David, here are oxen for the burnt offerings and you can use the threshing boards and, and the ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Aruna, no. I insist on paying for it. I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. Malachi, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that the Lord may, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mark chapter 12, the final week of Jesus' life, he's at the temple. Uh, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. That sounds like fun. Uh, many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16, now about the collections for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Heavenly Father, it's an honor and a privilege to come into your presence, to acknowledge that you are God and we are not. Lord, that, that this is your church, your body, your bride, that we are your people bought and redeemed by the precious blood of the son that you gave that was born not 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas. And God, I pray that you open up our hearts and minds, that we would just hear your truth. Uh, God, enable me to speak well for you today. I pray you're honored in this place, and I pray that the fruits of our conversation today results in many good things happening in our world for your 
glory and for our world's good. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, today we're wrapping up our series, Money Matters. Next week, Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about Jesus, the greatest gift of all, right? And we're going to open up, unwrap that box and open up that present. And I'm going to pull out some really awesome gifts that come with that first Christmas. But today, as I said, we're wrapping up the series on Money Matters. Now, now, I had intended to start this series earlier in November, and I intended it to be only four weeks long. God had different intentions, right? You know, and here we are on just eight days before Christmas, and here I am talking about money, right? Oh my goodness, what a horrible thing. No, I think it's a very appropriate thing. We're about to celebrate the greatest gift ever given, Right? God gave his son. I think nothing's more appropriate than to talk about our giving. And again, this was God's intentions, not mine. I thought I was going to do an entire Christmas series, but I didn't get to do one this year. Uh, you have to wait till next year to check that one out. Yeah, this series has been very practical. It's been very powerful um, because money impacts every area of our life. And when we handle money God's way, it'll empower us to become debt-free It'll empower us to be able to store up things for our, our future, our retirement, and, and it'll also free up a bunch of money that will enable us to bless the lives of other people. I mean, we will be able to do things like buy groceries for a single mom, help a struggling widow pay her utilities, rescue someone from sex trafficking, uh, take a short-term mission trip or help someone else go on a short-term mission trip. We'll be able maybe to adopt a child from another country or for locally who wouldn't have a home otherwise. We'll be able to buy clothing and food and school supplies for at-risk children. We'll have money available to help someone pay their rent who lost their job due to no fault of their own. They just happened to get really, really sick. We'll be able to help plant a church that will reach people who don't know Jesus. We'll be able to help undeveloped areas that do not have clean drinking water that we wash our cars with, right, to have clean drinking water. On Christmas Eve, we're taking up an offering, and we're going to be providing a purification system to some people who live in Nepal right now who don't have it. And because of our Christmas Eve offering, you know, this time next year, they'll have a year of drinking clean water. I mean, you may even have money. Say, I'm going to sponsor, no, I'm going to sponsor one, two. I'm going to sponsor five Compassion Kids because I have money freed up to do those things. Remember, attitude plus principles plus practices equals freed up financially. Attitude, money is not the answer. Your money isn't yours. It's okay to enjoy money. You're rich, and money can lead to real life. And the principles are what? Gratitude, contentment, trust, and humility. And the practices are debt-free living, planned spending, and intentional savings. And if you need some help with some of these areas, right? We're having a seminar on Friday, January 13th, and Saturday, Saturday, January the 14th, Freed Up Financially. I want to encourage you to, uh, to sign up for that. It, it's $25, includes a book, lunch, snacks, good times, fun, fellowship parties, you name it, right? It's going to be great. If you cannot afford that, there's scholarships available. We want to come alongside of you and help you to be debt-free and freed up financially. And this morning, we're going to talk about the fourth and final practice, giving. In his book, Too Much, Living with Less in the Land of More, Gary Johnson opens up his chapter on giving with these words. Hot topics swirl around us at ever-increasing speed, from immigration to religious radicalism to same-sex marriage. Some topics have the power to demand our attention around the clock. In recent years, one subject has topped the rest, the topic of money. 
A survey by Wells Fargo and Company revealed that 44% of Americans polled claimed that a discussion about personal finances is the most difficult conversation to have with another person. Even so, Gary continues, you and I know that another money-related issue can make a conversation go nuclear. It's a topic of giving and has the potential to make any conversation explosive. Do you, you think Gary's right? Do you think that conversations about giving can get pretty explosive at, at warp speed? Do you like to talk about giving? Do you like to talk about your giving? I mean, if we broke up into small groups right now around this room and say, hey, let's take a moment. I want everybody to share how much they gave to the church and to other kingdom causes this past year. Would everybody be really comfortable with that? Right? Okay. You can breathe. We're not going to do that. All right. <laughs> I didn't want to lie in church today, but, you know, I get it. We may not want to talk about money and about giving, but those who claim to follow Christ and live by his word, we got to talk about it because giving is a central and necessary part to our financial well-being. Yeah, like it or not, it's a necessary topic of conversation to have in this room, and it's a conversation that God wants to have with each and every one of us today, right now, December 17th, 2017. Did you know the Bible has more than 2,350 verses about money and many of those are talking about giving. And now here's how I want to attack our conversation this morning. It's called practices, the necessary actions, do I have to, right? Do I have to? The questions are going to be, what are some reasons why people do not give? Why should we give? Where should we give? And how should we give? What, why, where, and how? What are some reasons why people don't give? In his book, The Great, Evangel the Great Evangelical Recession, pastor and author John Dickerson describes the current state of giving in the American church this way. I think we have a slide there. The financial crisis is not a shortage of funds, it's a shortage of commitment. We do not believe in tithing or, for that matter, generous giving. More importantly, we do not believe Jesus' simple direct statement, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If Jesus' claim is true, then the heart of the typical evangelical is not in Christ's kingdom. Our hearts are in our cars, credit cards, mortgages, and retirement savings. Wow. I understand that. The struggle with giving is real, and here's that stat I, I threw up on the screen several weeks ago, right? It, it's that the, that, uh, the average Christian gives 2.43% of their income to the church, only 7% of Christians give 10% of their incomes, and only 1% of Christians who make over 75000 give 10%. Struggle's real, and, and it's even real in this room here, and I, I'm going to throw up a Two graphs real quick, and I, I almost hesitated to show these. Number one, I didn't want to show these to beat people up or to puff people up, right? And so if you feel beat up, that's not my purpose. If you feel puffed up, like, oh, I'm all that, that's not my purpose either, all right? You get it? Good. Here's some graphs of the given at our church, okay? Uh, we have 13% of our households give 10 to 20,000 a year. 9% give 5 to 10 grand. Another 
13%, give 25 to 5, uh, 25%, 1,000 to 25, and 40%, a dollar to 1,000. And, and it breaks down this way, the next graph, uh, 14 households give 50, 53% of the total income of, of our church. Um, uh, another uh, 10 households give 19%. You can see those two together, 25 households give about 72%. So that's our giving. You can see that the struggle with giving is real. If you'd like me to email those graphs to you, feel free. I can do that. Uh, I, uh, this week I posted on Facebook. And again, if you're puffed up, you ain't all that. All right? You ain't all that. If you feel beat up, well, let God talk to you. All right? Um, this week I, I posted on Facebook, what are some reasons people struggle struggle giving generously to the church and other kingdom causes. And here's some of the responses. They don't have a spending plan, a lack of faith and trust in God. That was like the number one response. Slaves to credit card debt. Uh, want to selflessly keep money for big purchases like vacations, new electronics, new furniture, new cars. Another reason was fear. Another reason people forget that their money belongs to God and wrongly think it's their money that they're giving or not giving. Uh, poor money management, not doing it God's way. That was the second most. That's why we're doing that seminar. Selfishness, unequally yoked. Um, the person that put, in it, put that in was Terry Latwing in my church in Georgia. Her husband, Dan, was an executive at Kraft Food and didn't come to Christ till you know, he started going to our church. And, and so they, she never got the tithe, though she was a school teacher. Then once Dan came to Christ, financially they were upside down. They couldn't. But I remember the first Sunday, Terry came in with the biggest smile on her face. I go, Terry, what, what, why are you so happy? You just won the lottery or something? And she pulled out a check and said, Steve, this is the first time since I have followed Christ that I've come to church, and now I can start tithing. And she's the one that wrote that. She just couldn't at the time because her husband wasn't a believer and wouldn't let her do it. Uh, Jim Book said this, a pastor friend of mine in uh, Kissimmee, Florida, simple, lack of gratitude. When folks understand the magnitude of God's love for them, they'll respond with love and open hearts, and I might add, open wallets. Know me down, our friend that now lives in Minnesota, ignorance. People don't realize that giving is an act of worship. In this book, Too Much, Gary suggests a few other reasons, like one is we rationalize that we're not in the right season of life to give. When I graduate college, I'll give. When I get the job promotion, I'll give. When the kids are growing up and moving to the house, I'll give. When, when I get out of debt, I'll give. When I... You fill in the blank, then I'll give. He also says we suffer from fiscal myopia. Myopia is being nearsighted, seeing things only up close, and when we see only what matters to us, we fail to see farsighted the things that matter to God and then give accordingly. Question, do you give generously to his church and other causes? Does God think you give generously? If you do not give generously to the church, what is your reason? And do you think that God, the one who sits by the collection box, right, do you think God finds your reason for not giving acceptable? Now, I know that was a lot of fun. I'll rewind and we can do that again. No. It's important. And I know it's only eight days before Christmas. What a crazy time to talk about this stuff. But you know what? I think it's really important to talk about it and talk about it right now because the gift that God gave cost him everything. Amen? It cost him everything. Now, why should I give? I want to give you seven reasons that should motivate you to want to give. Uh, giving makes you more like God. Uh, listen, our creator, 
And sustainer is a giver, right? I mean, everything you have is a gift from God. And when we give, we become like God, right? I mean, that, that great verse, right, that we all know, the most famous verse in the world, John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world that he what? He, he gave. He gave. He gave what? His one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And why did he give? Because he so loved me and you. And listen, throughout the scriptures, we see God giving again and again and again. I went on BibleGateway.com and I, I did a word search of the word give in the New Testament and the results revealed what I already knew, that our, that our, God, is a, our God is a giver. Brothers and sisters, God gives us our daily bread. He gives us rest. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us an inheritance in heaven. He gives us eternal life. He gives us every good and perfect gift. He gives us grace. He gives us peace. He gives us mercy. He gives us living hope. He gives us the Holy Spirit, the most mentioned gift in the New Testament. He gives us life. He gives us breath. He gives us new birth, freedom, insight, understanding, and wisdom. He gives us endurance, encouragement, strength, and victory. He gives us very great and precious promises. He gives us the right to eat from the tree of life and if we overcome he gives us the right to sit on the throne with him in heaven he's a giving God Peter says his divine power is giving us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness in other words God's divine power is giving us you and me everything we need to live a godly life that's awesome I heard about a uh, a preacher who wrote to a business guy in the community requesting a large donation, and the guy refused rather sternly, and, and he said, you know what, as far as I can see, this Christian business is all about give, give, give. The pastor wrote back, you know what, I want to thank you for the best definition of Christianity I've ever heard. That's what it's about. Reason number one, giving makes us more like God. Number two, giving draws you closer to God. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Understand, if my money, if I put my money into entertainment, into recreation, that's where my heart is. If I put my money into my home, that's where my heart is. If I put my money into my cars, into my hobbies, that's where my heart is. Yeah, Jesus said, just follow the money. Just follow my money and you will find my heart. And listen, when we put our money in the Lord and in the things that are very important to him, and, and I tell you, the most important thing to him is this. He said in Ephesians 5, 25, husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, right? There's nothing, there's nothing more important to the church and giving to the church. And when you give, it draws you closer to God, which I contend is a very good thing. Another reason we should give is that it's a cure to materialism. It's how we combat the number one idol and, and uh, competitor in our world against God. Yeah. We live in a materialistic culture. Anybody agree? I mean, advertisers are not even subtle anymore. They come right and say, you can buy happiness, right? But it's America. America, right? Life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. And, and, and this time of year, man, with all the buying and shopping, we see materialism at its highest. 
it gets really crazy. And it gets kind of sad, at least to me. And Charlie Brown was kind of sad in the play about what's going on. I'm kind of down about Christmas. They did a good job on that play. And, and it's just crazy. Hey, we're, we're getting things. You know, not, maybe they don't need them. We're like, hey, because we got everything, right? Most of us. Let's find that one thing that they want because they got everything they need. So how can we live in a materialistic world, a world that worships a God of money and not be infected by it? Well, the cure is giving. And that may seem simplistic, but that doesn't mean it's not true. You see, our very act of giving simply means that, guess what? We don't have as much money to do the things or buy the things we want, right? And as we do that, we help, we help release this grip, that materialism. Oh, if I give that, I won't be able, if I give a good offering on Christmas Eve in order to help someone have clean drinking water, we may not be able to go out to dinner and a movie next week. Oh, and it helps release materialism. Does that make sense? And I think that's a good thing. Next giving is one way that we, we, we honor God. Honor means we value something that it carries weight with us and check out what the great Italian prophet Malachi right <laughs> said about honoring God and giving the Lord of heaven army says to the priest a son honors his father a servant and respects his master if I'm your father and master where the honor and respect I deserve you have shown contempt for my name a person my character, my purposes, but you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You've shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? They're pretty clueless like we are at times. You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as a sacrifice, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name, for my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. But you dishonor my name. With your actions by bringing contemptible food. You're saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's, it's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your noses at my command, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asked the Lord? Curse is a cheat who promises to give a fine ram from the flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. I'm a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My name is feared among the nations. Well, that Italian prophet hits like Rocky Balboa, doesn't he, man? And, and listen how Max Lucado describes this attitude in no, only the way that Max can. Uh, the image is vivid. A family is on their way to the temple, realizes they've forgotten the sheep. He turns to her and says, did you bring a sacrifice? <laughs> no, I thought you did, she replies. He stops the wagon and says, you go ahead and take the kids. I'll go back. He goes back to the pen and begins to sort through the sheep, looking for the one to be sacrificed. He picks up a big fat one with thick wool, too valuable, he decides, and puts it down. He picks up another fat one, no, I want to enter this one in a contest. He finds another healthy one, no, I need to save this one for breeding. 
Finally, he comes upon a frail lamb with a broken leg and spotted wool. Ah, he says, this will be a good one to get rid of. What the fellow doesn't know is that God has been watching the process. God has been observing the choosing. What God has heard the man say is, I will give you a token, but I won't give you my heart. Such an attitude angers God, and such anger is found in this last book of the Old Testament. Now, we don't offer sheep, he says, but every Sunday we have an opportunity to give. Some people arrive at the altar with no thought, giving it all to their financial responsibility before God. As the plate comes, she elbows him and says, what do you want to give? He says, let's see what I got. While it's come out and the process of proclamation begins, we begin to sort through the sheep pen. We consider the big sheep with the picture of Ben Franklin. No, that's too much. We think about writing a check with a couple zeros. Better not, we decide. We forget the process itself as a statement. We forget that God is watching. That's some strong stuff, church. And it's true. Each week, each time we log on the internet to our online giving, right? Wallets come out and the process of proclamation begins. But, but have we forgotten that God is watching? Have we forgotten that, that our giving is a statement about God, about how much we value God, about how much we honor God, about how important God is to us? Why should we give? Because giving makes you more like God. Giving draws you closer to God and giving honors God. And it cures materialism, and giving strengthens your faith. Faith is being sure what we hope for, being certain we do not see. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will not be room enough to store it. Many times God uses giving to test our finances, right? Have you ever had to decide between paying a bill you know, and, and giving your offering to God? You know, that's a test. You know, from March of 2010 to September 2010, I, I, I was unemployed. The only income we had was Laurie's. And, you know, I mean, we downsized and sold stuff and things like that. Um, but we still didn't have enough money to meet our bills. But I'll tell you what, every week we tithe her income, right? And I'd rather go in credit card debt to, to not give God what belongs to him. And, and, and we made it. <laughs> How did I make it without income for six months? I have no clue. Well, yeah, I do. It's God. It's God. Giving strengthens your faith. Has, has it ever stretched your faith? Uh, giving brings blessings to your life. Some people give much but get back even more. Others don't give what they should and end up poor. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Jesus says that when we give, we receive. That word that word blessed means contentment and satisfaction. You know, that's kind of good. You know, I think that's a good blessing. Jesus says, if you want contentment and blessing, you give. And I mean, do we believe that? I'm not sure if we do, right? Because if we did, we want to give more, right? You know, and we wouldn't have to be singing that Mick Jagger song all the time, right? I can't get no satisfaction, right? You know, I can't get no Satisfaction, but I try and I try. Okay, you could get some satisfaction, right? Jesus says when when you give. You see, have you ever noticed that the root word of the word miserable is what? 
miser. Right? Miser. See? You know, giving is, is, is great for mental health. A, a guy named, what was his name? Carl Menninger, founded, or the Menninger Clinic, says that generous people are rarely mentally ill. Have you ever met a giving and generous person who was really, really unhappy? I've never met one. But I've met a lot of the opposites, right? People did the opposite and they weren't very happy. But giving next is an investment for eternity. Uh, We can't take it with us, but we can set it ahead, right? Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How? Paul said to Timothy, give happily to those in need and always be ready to share whatever God has given you. By doing this, you'll be storing up real treasure for yourselves in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity, right? Great rates, and that bubble is never going to pop. It's an unpoppable bubble, right? It's never going to pop. I heard about a guy who died, and he went to heaven, and he's seeing all these great mansions, and man, they're looking good. And then he sees this kind of shack over here. And he goes, well, whose house is that? Jesus said, well, that's your house. He goes, what? Why do I got to live there? Well, that's all the building material you sent up, right? You know? And and that widow probably, she's got her a nice mansion. Right? There's two things that last forever, God's word and people. And we invest in those things. They're things that, that will last. The subtitle of this message is giving You'll have to. No, you don't. You don't have to. You do not have to give to God. However, if you choose to give, you'll be more like God. If you choose to give, you'll be closer to God. If, if you choose to give, it, it'll break that grip of materialism. If you choose to give, it, it, will, it will honor God. If you choose to give, you'll grow in your faith. If you choose to give, you'll have contentment and satisfaction from God. If you choose to give, you'll store up treasures in heaven that you'll get to cash in someday. Get it? Good. I hope, right? All right, I, I got to get cranking here. Um, where should we give? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. In Malachi's day, the house of God was called the temple. And people would bring their tithes to the temple and the priests would store the tithes in the temple. And there were four primary purposes for the tithe in the temple. It provided for the priests and Levites, like ministers today. It provided for the prophets to take the word to the streets, much like supporting missionaries today. It provided for the orphans and the widows, much like benevolence today. And provided for upkeep of the temple and temple repairs, much like maintaining a building today. We bring the whole tie to the local church. It provides for ministers, missionaries, benevolence, and maintenance. Right? And, and and what our family has practiced, you know, is, you know, we bring our, our tithe to the local church, and then maybe special things like IJM, Rafa House, Compassion International, missionaries, and we, we do that outside of that, right? That's, that's what we do. You know, and I contend there's lots of causes out there, but there's no greater cause than the Church of Christ, the body and bride of Christ, the hope of the world, the only organization on earth that Jesus gave his life for. How should you give? Willingly. For the willingness is there, your gift is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. 
Uh, each one should give what he decided his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And, and listen, l- l- let me be perfectly clear, you know. If you feel like I'm trying to pressure you this morning, that I'm trying to pin you down till you tap out and say, enough already, enough, I'll give, I'll give, just stop this, stop. I, I really apologize. That's not my intent. I, I don't want you to give because you have to. That's never good, right? And give a gift to your wife on your anniversary because you have to, I gotta tell you, that's not gonna work so well. Here's your gift, didn't really wanna give it to you, but it's your anniversary and I know you complain about it, Throw it, trash me on Facebook about it. Here you go, happy anniversary, dear, right? Not going to work. Just telling you, don't try that at home, guys. Not going to work, right? I want you to give because you, you get to. I, I, I want you to give because I, I want you to be closer to God. I, I want you to be more like God. I, I want you to honor God. I want you to have satisfaction and contentment. I want you to be storing up treasures in heaven. I, I want you to be released from that grip of materialism. I, 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 I want you to give, to see great things happen and the gospel spread. That's why we should give thankfully. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I I mean, how can I repay God for his grace and mercy? How how can I repay Jesus for hanging on the cross? How, How can I repay the Father for giving his one and only son? I can't. I can't. But listen, every time we give, we're saying thank you. Hey, I I can't repay you. But thank you, God. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you'll do for me. We should give sacrificially. Right? Like like David, right? I mean, the guy, it would be like, I mean, all right, you know what? I'm going to give you a, a $200 check. Steve, to give to God today, right? It's like, wait a second. No. David said, hey, I'm not going to give to God something that costs me nothing. I know you're trying to smooth me because I'm the king, and you're afraid I'm going to cut your head off or something, but no, I'm not going to give something to God that costs me nothing. It should be sacrificial. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. I I do not believe that one can, in mere Christianity, I do not believe that one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comforts, conveniences, and luxuries is up to the common among those with the same income as our own, in other words, we're living just like everybody else that makes as much money as we are, our giving is probably too little. If our giving does not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do but cannot do because our giving excludes them. That's what it means to give sacrificially. Get it? Get it? Good. (laughs) It's good stuff. We we should give percentagely. We should give percentagely. Even before the law was established, God put a principle in place for us to give what's called a tithe, 10% of our income that would go to him. Now, if everything belongs to God, if everything is his anyway, then that seems more than fair, right? In fact, the Bible says that when we refuse to give back to God what is his, 
Listen, it's not that it's a failure to be generous, it's actually stealing. See how that works? That when we, God says, I want you to give this amount back to me, if you don't do that, you're not just not being generous. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 that you're actually robbing God. In Malachi 3.10, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and in offerings. And that's a different perspective, right? That not giving is in effect stealing from God. It's like pulling money out of, out of the plate and stealing money from the God who loved us, redeemed us, saved us, and is coming back for us. But let's say you have a wealthy uncle who has an investment, and he signs that over to you. That investment brings in $120,000 a year, $10,000 a month. And he says, it's all yours. Ten grand a month. All I want for you to do is to send me back $1,000 a month. Would anybody sign up for that deal? Oh, yeah. I'd have no problem doing it. I mean, it's all his anyhow, right? If you don't believe I would do it, I'll be up here up front after church, right? And I guarantee you, you give me 10000 a month, I will give you back 1000 every single time, right? Every time. I, I won't miss a payment to you, right? Because it's all his to begin with. See, percentage-based giving is a New Testament concept. See, Jesus never said not to tithe. In fact, when he mentioned it, he said we should keep doing it. In Matthew 23, 23. But sorrow awaits you, teachers of the law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. You're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herbs gardens, making sure you give just enough but not too much, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. You know, this week I was thinking about this command of percentage giving, and I got to wondering, well, why is giving one of the only commands that we think it's okay to not obey or to slowly ease into. I mean, we don't do it with other commands, right? I mean, suppose a guy comes to me who's struggling with adultery. His name is Hezekiah. That should be a safe name, right? No Hezekiah's in here. If, if, he, if it is, I'm really, really sorry, okay? And, and Hezekiah comes to me, and I go, you know, Hezekiah, you know, if you will commit adultery half as much as you are right now, I think that's a really good place to start, right? No. You know, everyone gives a percentage of his income from zero to 100%, right? Question, is the percentage that you're currently giving, is it generous? How do you know? Have you ever asked God? No matter where you, you fell into that chart we showed earlier. I, I want to challenge you to pray a, a prayer a bold and simple prayer. Lord, show me what percentage of my income is generous. Show me what percentage of my income is generous. Check out what God said through Paul in 2 Corinthians 9. Each of you should give what you decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And we're cheerful where you get the word hilarious. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. He says each of you should give, right? Giving's for everyone. No one's exempt, right? From the blessing and joy of giving. Giving is for the rich, for the poor, and for the in-between. Give what you decided in your heart to give. I mean, make a decision. Have a plan. Ask God what he wants you to give. 
then do it. Do not give reluctantly or under compulsion. See, percentage-based giving gives great freedom. You make a decision about the percentage that is generous, and then you give it right off the top. No questions asked. You get, give out of God's abundance instead of your leftovers. And listen, when giving becomes the first thing we do with our money, it becomes the most fun thing we do with our money. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. Do you think, do you feel God's pleasure in the way you handle the money he has entrusted to you and the way you give? Now, it's not that God will love you less if you refuse to give. It's just that it just puts this little rift in your relationship. On the other hand, giving tightens the bond and draws us closer to him. Paul says, and God is able... You don't need to be afraid. God is able. He can provide whatever you need. Question, is it more foolish to trust God and give or to trust self and withhold? Which is more foolish? He says, when you give, you abound in every good work. Remember, God's provision is not for our selfish gain, but so we can abound in the work he calls us to, the work of seeking and saving the lost, the work of expanding his kingdom, building up his church, spreading the gospel, and meeting the needs of the least of these. You know, I, I would really just encourage you as the year 2017 ends and the year 2018 begins to pray that prayer. Lord, right, because we, we think we got to figure it figured out, right? We think we're generous. Maybe we are, maybe we're not. Lord, would you show me, would you tell me what percentage of my income you consider generous? And then listen. And then give it. Let's pray that prayer together. On three. Lord, okay, we're on three. Y'all, y'all, I, I knew y'all were scared, but goodness. And I'm taping this. We're live on Facebook, y'all. Okay. On three. Lord, show me what. <laughs> Did I not say three? Hey, Facebook, get world out there. All right. I do that all the time. On two. One, two. Lord, show me what percentage of my income is generous. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, well. <laughs> and we should give expectantly. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Uh, we should give expectantly. We should give expecting that we're going to become more like God. We should give expecting that we're going to be closer to God. We should give expecting that we're going to be honoring God. We should give expecting that the God of money, materialism, will lose its grip on us. We should give expecting, knowing that we're, we're storing up treasures in heaven, right? We should give expecting, right, that, that, that God will be honored and his gospel will expand and spread and that people will be saved because of what we're giving. 2,000 years ago, we're about to celebrate it. God gave his one and only son, right? As a little baby. The baby grew to be a man. The man died on the cross you know, for our salvation. 
And we're going to sing a song in just a minute. And, and I don't know about you, you know, but I'm excited. I, I, I have work to do. You know, I need to reverse the flow in my life. I don't know if you know, there was a time when Chicago, after the Great Chicago Fire, people were dying because of the Chicago River was so polluted. And they decided that they needed to reverse the flow of that river so they could have fresh water coming from Lake Michigan. And they spent a lot of time, built a lot of dikes and levees and all that stuff. And know what they did? They actually reversed the flow of that river. And Chicago has flourished, become the third largest city in our nation. That happened about 1900. And, and, and we need to reverse the flow. Right? The way we've been healing debt, the way we're handling our finances, handling our giving, reverse that flow so that fresh life can flow out from us into this world that needs so many things. Would you stand and pray with me? God, thank you for this time. Uh, Lord, thank you for these people and your church, Lord. And God, I know every one of us, we want to honor you. We want to draw closer to you. God, give us the courage. Give me the courage. Uh, to pray that prayer and to listen. Lord, show me what percentage of my income is generous. Lord, help us to become the most generous people in the face of this planet. And Jesus, we're so grateful that 2,000 years ago that we didn't have to go looking for you, but you came and found us, and, and your grace found us. No matter where we were, it found us, and it still finds us today. And God, help us to celebrate that grace. In Jesus' name, amen.